This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic and you're listening to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. Each week we share someone that we had an opportunity to share some space with pick their brain, share some awesome information to help you level up in some way, shape, or form in life. This week, I had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing Scott Basin. And what a great interview we had. It was really about learning. You know, He's an author of the book, The Working Dad Survival Guide. We dove into about you know, team and, and entrepreneurship management, looking in the business and just some stuff that can really help you level up in that aspect, especially if you're an employer, can really have you look at things from a different perspective. And, and Scott really brought it to this on this episode. Really, it was an eye opener in some ways. And I think it'll be an eye opener for you uh, listening to this. So before I go into the, the episode, let me tell you a little bit about Scott. Scott is a professional professor of management and, and Silverman Global Faculty Fellow at Fairleigh Dickinson's University. He is a national expert in work and family issues and the author of The Working Dad's Survival Guide, How to Succeed at Home and at Work, the best-selling book of advice and encouragement for fathers trying to balance work and family. And we hate team projects, a friendly and useful guide for college projects college project teams. He was a featured speaker at the United Nations International Day of the Family of the Family and the White House Summit for Working Families. 
Dr. Basin is also an accomplished professional speaker and has published over 30 academic journal journal articles and book chapters presented at more than 50 times national and international conferences and won multiple awards for his teaching, research, and service to students. He has written for Harvard Business Review, Time, Fast Company, Success, The Washington Post, and The Wall Street Journal. He frequently appears in media, including CBS, MSNBC, NPR, Fox News, and Bloomberg Radio. Sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. Here is Scott Basin. Scott, welcome to the show. Hi, so great to be here. Thanks. I'm excited to have you on. I love the concept. I love the concept of your book and what it's about. I'm, I'm so excited to dive deep in, share with the listeners all that good stuff. So um, thanks for taking time to be with us. Um, as my listeners know, I do not waste time. So I want to know, talk to me. What is your story? How did you get into what you're doing, the whole workplace, all that good stuff uh, to lead to what led you to where you are today? Great. So my workplace journey, I guess. So I've been a, a business school professor for a very long time. And uh, starting in the late 90s, I was doing research on things like workplace flexibility and work family uh, issues when it comes to employers and things like that. And I was getting increasingly frustrated with the fact that like, basically you do these, you collect data and it takes like two years to write a paper and get it through reviewers. And then like 50 people read it, like just other management professors like me read it. And it just felt like there's all this good information being developed, but it's not getting out into the world and having an impact and things like that. So around 2010, I had kind of what I called my mid-career crisis. And I decided I wanted to do public facing stuff. And my mission was to get information about rising to work-life challenges to the people who need it, which are first working parents, and secondly, to uh, employers. Um, So this led me to blogging and doing lots of um, media stuff and, you know, workshops at companies and things like that. And in 2016, it was my first book, uh, The Working Dad's Survival Guide, which is the first book and still the only book of advice and encouragement for dads trying to balance work and family. Um, And then I kind of pivoted and I'm like, okay, let me work on employers. And that kind of culminated with this book called The Whole Person Workplace, which is really about how employers can value employees, not just as a part of the machine, but as a whole person with lives and priorities and stressors and challenges and passions outside of work um, and how employers can can help employees with those other aspects of their lives, building a great culture in, in, the, in the meantime. So that's kind of my professional journey was kind of this frustration of the limited impact of all this great information. Um, and then it became my mission to kind of like translate that really good information uh, so people can use it like right away. I love that. And what is like, so when you say whole person, if you don't mind just breaking that down for the listeners, what does whole person mean? Well, um, so one of the ways I think about this is uh, employers can value employees in different ways. One, they could just be part of the machine. So work it as hard as possible and, and give it as little resources as possible. Lots of employers like look at their employees as valuable assets, which is kind of like a, a good-ish thing. Uh, because we take care of assets, right? But that's still transactional. It's still like, I'm going to take care of you so that you can get back there in the ring and make me money. Um, and so it's like, I'm going to work you really hard, but then I'm going to give you like some wellness programs so you can de-stress and then you can come back and work really hard. Um, and 
you know, that's better than just being part of the machine, right? Because these people tend to get paid well and, you know, some get all their benefits and stuff, but that's still transactional, right? Like I'm only going to provide for you because you can provide for me. Um, so a whole person workplace is one that values employees, not just as those two things, a, a part of the machine or an asset, but as a, an actual person, a whole person with who doesn't just exist from nine to five and the part of them that they bring to work, but actually has a whole life outside of work and has other commitments and responsibilities and stressors and uh, passions and, and things like that. And also most employees have a desire to bring a good amount of themselves to work, right? Uh, most people want to find themselves in a workplace where they feel engaged and they feel like they're doing something meaningful and they feel like they're, they're respected and valued. So if an employer takes that mindset that my employees are whole people, then it, it starts you on a decision-making process about, okay, so given our resources, given the needs of our, you know, our work, workplace, given, you know, you know, the type of work we do, et cetera, what are things I can do to support my employees? And that could be their physical and mental well-being. And especially we saw this in the last 18 months being extremely important, right? Uh, what can we do about burnout? What can we do uh, to help, uh, you know, parents of young children with, with their kind of intense work-life juggle or people who are dealing with, like, like I am, who are dealing with like sandwich generation things with uh, children and like older adults in our lives who we need to start taking care of. Um, and also, you know, employees want to develop in their careers or develop their skills, or some might want to go back, uh, you know, and get a degree or certification, or some might just want to volunteer or um, have time for social life. And, um, you know, so all of these things, right. And you, if your employer large and small, so I talked to about 50 different employers from like big multinationals, like Adidas and BASF and Microsoft to literally a food store with 12 employees in the mountains of New Hampshire, um, and everything in between and all different industries so that there's a place for every employer to plug in, whether you're large or small, whatever your resources are, um, because we can all make the world, I think a little bit better. I think one workplace at a time, right? Because if a workplace is a better workplace, it has a spillover into people's lives and their own health. And, um, you know, it makes, just makes things better. People spend a third of their adult hours working just about. Um, so it may as well be a good experience. It may as well be a good relationship. Um, and it doesn't take that much more effort to change work from just a transaction of time and effort for money to like a relationship that benefits everybody. I love that. And do you think that, cause I mean, I remember reading, well, I think it was Daniel Pink, his book yep. drive talking yep. about the different motivators. Right. And yep. now we're, and I think this is, you know, it, it certainly you're, overlaps. Yeah. You're, you're making me remember the book. I'm like, I keep yeah. hearing it. I'm like, I remember he talked about like, you know, transactional now it's like the values of individuals and you see corporations kind of moving that way. Are we, are we starting to see that shift? I mean, what has been your experience? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, it's not universal by any stretch, right? I mean, there are employers that just look at their employees as part of the machine, right? But I think more and more employers are seeing that, you know, the way you really succeed longer term is getting like talented people and then keeping them, building an environment where they want to stay and then, um, you know, engaging them in their work, like Daniel Pink, kind of in, their intrinsic motivations, their internal motivators, not just money or whatever, but getting to people's desire to do something important and to have some self-determination and, and to feel like they're getting better at stuff. I think that's what Daniel Pink kind of uh, focuses on. Um, 
And that's certainly a big part of it. Um, I think more and more employers uh, understand this. And I think the last 18 months um, has been a big reason why. Uh, lots of employers that never would have tolerated things like working from home and uh, flexible work. And, you know, if I, if I can't see you, how to know you're not working kind of mindset, like they were forced into remote work and collaboration and figuring out different ways to make you to, you know, being more like work goal oriented, as opposed to like, evaluating people based on their time in their chair at the office or whatever, because, you know, obviously people could just play poker or whatever they want anyway. But um, so a lot of companies were like drag, dragged kicking and screaming into kind of a more modern approach, a more high trust type of approach. Um, now, the organizations that already had this, that already had flexible approaches and allowed people to work from home occasionally and built really great workplaces and teams that really supported each other and um, had this reserve of kind of trust and let's figure this out together. They were 10 steps ahead when, you know, March of last year happened. Um, lots of others played catch up, but now companies are, you know, the big question for the fall has, has been, you know, how do we return? Or what, what's the next workplace going to look like? Is it going to be some sort of hybrid where some people come in certain days or um, are people going to stay remote forever? Do we want to bring everybody back? Um, these are the questions, you know, uh, organizations are dealing with. And especially a lot of them had a plan up until like the Delta variant. Um, a lot of companies were focusing on like, hey, parent, uh, kids are going back to school. So therefore, like we can start with more confidence bringing, pe you know, people back to the workplace. Um, and of course, Delta variant happens. And it's like what Mike Tyson said, right? Is uh, everybody had a plan until, until you get punched in the mouth. Um, that's kind of what workplaces are doing now. A lot of them are retracting from their return to workplace plans or doing mandates for vaccines and masks and things like that. So it's a complicated time for employers. Um, my advice for employers thinking through all this and you know, more employers are confronting these big people issues than they ever did before is start with the values, right? Of how do I maximize the care I can give to the whole people who work for me? And, you know, from there, you know, the decisions are what's best for you and your workplace and your people. Um, but, you know, I think the principles uh, are really important to keep in mind. So we shouldn't just focus on, um, you know, just very narrowly on financial goals. Um, we should consider, yes, our financial success as a business owner or whatever, but also, you know, how do I build a great workplace um, that really supports people? I love that. Do you see companies kind of, cause I, I mean, I work with a lot of patients and one of the things is, you know, nowadays, like I have a couple of patients who are programmers and they're like, yeah, my, my company is only allowing me to, we, we, they're saying I only have to show up to the office one or two times a week yeah. now. And then I work from home for the rest of the time being. Yeah. Um, do you see employers kind of looking at this and kind of, you know, I heard, I think LinkedIn, I think mm -hmm. he said he's going to keep all his employees at, yeah. they can work at home from home. Um, is it one of those things where we're kind of like challenging the, you know, cause technology has evolved so much now sure. where we're at a point. That's why like I was telling somebody, I'm like, thank God we had technology because if we yes. went through this without technology, Oh yeah. What a mess. The world right? would be in a standstill. We'd be like in oh. medieval times or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so I mean, you're talking about, you know, about programmers, and you're talking about tech companies. Yeah, a lot of their work could be done kind of individually or through collaboration through Zoom or you know Microsoft Teams or whatever platform they're using. 
And that makes so much sense for them, right? To be able to be like, hey, we, we hardly need to meet or we don't really need to meet in person at all. Now, different industries, different companies have different, th- you know, you're a food store. Well, you need people at a certain place at a certain time. Um, if you're, even I work at a university, you know, we, um, we went virtual for most of the last 18 months and, but we're a small, uh, college that really, you know, our thing is that a lot of personal attention to students and it's a really, you know, it's kind of supportive environment. So we are very keen on, we are bringing everyone back. Um, now there's vaccine mandates and other things like that, you know, but, you know, because of our our industry, and then our priority, which is really students, you know, like students have missed out on so much over the last 18 months. Uh, We want to make sure they get that. Um, So even though, frankly, I think, you know, faculty is one thing, uh, but like our professional staff and and others like advisors and things like that, I think eventually we'll get to a place where it's going to be hybrid, where people could come in some days And then other days they could be home and they could do like Zoom meetings with students or do the other work and have their student work beyond the days they're on campus. But for this semester, um, they're very much keen on like everybody's in the office all the time. We want to show our students that we are here for them. Um, So it depends on what industry you're in, Um, you know, healthcare organization versus tech, um, you know, um, you know, whatever you might be, you know, whatever type of company you're dealing with has different challenges. And your decision, ultimate decision will be different. Like, and this isn't just for return to work. I mean, it's also, you know, Microsoft um, has, they give, um, I believe it's 12 weeks of paid parental leave to both moms, dads, birth moms, adoptive parents, et cetera. Um, And they have all these supports around it and training and orientation for managers and employees beforehand. And they do really do a great job. Now, Again, a small furniture manufacturer with 50 employees, which I also talked to, they can't afford to pay someone 12 weeks of paid parental leave, right? But there's other things they can do to be like supportive of employees and kind of have this whole person approach in terms of scheduling, in terms of uh, paid sick leave, in terms of um, you know, workplace safety, in terms of physical and, and uh, emotional well-being programs. Um, you know, so there's you know, there, there's things that any employer can do to plug into these values that that's appropriate for their workplace, just like, you know, what makes sense for LinkedIn, largely a tech company, uh, you know, their decision is probably going to be, we don't really need to be in the office very much. Um, other companies based on their industry or their needs or whatever might make a different decision, but whatever decision you make, again, the values of how do we take the most care of the most number of people, I think is, is an important place to start. I agree with you. I mean, I'm a chiropractor. I, I have to okay. show up at the office. I can't, uh, <laughs> there's no virtual adjustments. <laughs> and right, so but maybe you have some office employees who can do some paperwork and stuff that doesn't have to, has, have to be located in the office. For example, I don't know. I mean, you know your business better than I do, but yes, you're a, you are direct to customer business. So you need to be where the customer is. No, but you can, I mean, like one of the things is you can have a virtual assistant take care of all the calls and all the other right. things where you don't need that there. And then there's, right. Nowadays, you can do remote stuff. So there's a lot. It's what I love about yes, technology. Yeah. There's so many things you can do now with yeah. that. When it comes to the values of an employee, you mentioned some of these things uh, already. Like what are, you know, because instead of being transactional, right? We're talking about like, well, you can yep. do benefits. You can do flexible this. You can do that. 
what are things or if you can give a list or what that may be that um, how an employer can different things they can do to value their employee right. and help them rather than because I feel like there's a movement in this where it's like yeah. we're going to focus on how do we build our employees up right. rather than just seeing them as you work for me and this is what you do and that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, let me give you just like examples from both ends of the scale, from the little to the, to the very big. So at, at the little end, um, so, you know, there was this one company that used to have an all hands meeting 9 a.m., pretty much every morning or at least a couple times a week. And this was a real, like some of these employees who had to drop their kids off at school or daycare or whatever, they're really hustling to get there and it's really stressful and they're, they're arriving, you know, at 9.03 or something. And then they talk to this, these employees and the employees are like, you know, this is hard, you know? Um, and so the boss is like, oh my God, I never thought of that. Great. No meetings can begin at this company before 10 o'clock. That costs them nothing, right? But that's a way to listen to an employee concern or a stress point, right? And they made a solution for it. Um, you know, another example, and again, uh, this is this might seem a little, little different, but um, again, that food store in uh, New Hampshire, during the pandemic, you know, they had always had a tip jar at the at the counter, but the employees themselves, who don't make a lot of money, uh, said, you know, instead of the tip jar, um, the money in the tip jar should go to the food bank. And the employees just decided that. And they, the bosses were like, what a great idea. So the owners of the store matched the tip jar every week or the food bank jar every week. And they've continued to do it for like, you know, 18 months now. And they've, they've been able to raise enough money for like 40,000 meals for the, the, their local food bank. And that's the employer saying, wow, what a great idea. And what a great priority and, and you know, uh, desire to give back you guys have. We're going to support that, right? And we show that we see you and we support what you support. Um, and again, that's not necessarily an appointment practice or a benefit, right? But that, that's indicative of a whole person approach, right? You're valuing someone's priority, even if it's tangential to work. At the big end, uh, Adidas, when they, they built a new facility in a new city and they were transferring some employees from their other locations in, um, they prearranged uh, for that summer for um, summer camps for kids and daycares for kids. And they just like bought slots at these camps and daycares so that the people moving to a new city where they don't have babysitters and they don't know the, you know, the lay of the lands or whatever, one less thing they have to worry about as they uh, move to a new city. And then finally, BASF, for example, a big, you know, multinational chemical company. Um, you could see they, they actually, I love how they put it on their website. Um, they have what's called their periodic table of benefits. And it looks like the periodic table of, of elements from chemistry. Um, and it's all these little boxes uh, in all different categories and everything. And you could see like the extreme wide range of benefits they provide to all their employees. Um, not just the office types and manager, managerial types, but the people working in chemical plants. Um, you know, they get really good benefits. They have educational benefits. They have um, student loan programs. They have health and wellness benefits, parental leave, you know, things like that. And big companies can afford, right, to have these extremely robust benefits packages. But as we just saw, the smaller companies can listen and really get to know their employees and have like custom solutions. So there's... There, you know, again, start with the value base, and that can lead you to a lot of decisions that that 
makes sense for your workforce. And it can't, you know, you can't always help every employee, uh, but we got to start with that orientation, I think, of what can I do uh, to make sure that, you know, my employees have the time and the resources and, you know, maybe some other programs to help that um, can help them with some of the stressors or challenges that they face in the rest of their lives. Oh, one last thing. There's, um, uh, I forgot what company it was, but they were part of their EAP, the employee assistance program that they contract with. And a lot of larger employers do this. They have a program that helps people navigate things like Medicare and paperwork for like, for example, if they have to get their elder parent into hospice programs or nursing homes and things like that, because they could be such a you know, difficult process. And I, I don't know if you have personal experience with this, but um, it could be a bit of a bureaucratic nightmare. Um, so part of what they offer is like an expert that can help walk you through that process um, and talk about taking, you know, a, a stressor off somebody's chest, right? Um, it's just, uh, um, it could be transformative, right? I mean, it could just be like, got, you know, instead of having 30% of somebody's mind focused on, I got to take care of my dad and his situation, that's gone, right? That that weight is gone. And now this employee can use that focus at work or be more engaged at work, or they can use that focus on other aspects of their lives. I think that's critical. I mean, I, I, I see my mom go through something like that with her mom, and I, I, I know the, the, the stress it takes on the individual and so much more. Um, but I think that those are key things. I mean, you're, you're looking at like, from my world, how I'm seeing it, cause being a chiropractor, I focus on how do people do adapt better yep. to their life and stresses. Sure. And so you're helping to lower their stress, which from a mindset and sure. neurological standpoint, you allow to have more resources, be able then to focus on other things without letting that be a distraction. And, in and, and, you know, employees, it's, you know, like in my office, I always, my employees all know, like we have this like magical little hook out front door and I say, Hey, you hang all your stuff at the end at that that little hook there before you walk through the doors. So we have the best version of you, and we're, and we help them in many different ways with right. like care and nutrition support and all that, so that we can help them from a health side. Yeah, um, because you want them to be able to pick up this thing from the magical hook and still feel good, not have like pick up the hook and be like, oh god, I have all this to do, um, right? I mean, because you know, I mean, there's a body mind connection. I mean, you you, you would know this far more than I do. Um, you know, if you're not well physically, it, it, you know, impacts your mind space and things. And you're not well in your mind space, it affects your body. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, this goes back to, and if you don't mind me, um, the, the quote, um, the book originally had a different title. And then after I interviewed this one person, their quote was so beautiful. Um, and it gave me the term whole person workplace. But uh, the whole quote is, we have to remember, we get the whole person through the door their backs and their hands and their minds and their hearts. And they're at all different places in their lives and we have to do our best to take care of them. And I just think that's such a beautifully stated quote, right? Um, it's a whole person. It's their backs and their hands and their minds and their hearts. Um, if they're physically, their backs and their hands are not taken care of, right? That's, it's problematic. You know, their minds and their hearts. If we're not engaged, if our hearts, if we're, you know, stressed or anxious or, you know, um, unwell uh, in our souls, um, you know, it's a problem too. Um, and I think, you know, that's a, that's a good perspective to have, right? That it's a whole person. It's not just a slice of a person for a part of a day. 
I love that. I think that's it's it's that I think is a game changer because <clears throat> excuse me, you'll see just from the employer side of things, and I know you got the data on this. Yeah. You'll see the whole company rise up more. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because I think that's why I like wellness, uh, corporate yeah. wellness, corp- corporate wellness kind of program started coming out. Yep. Because it was one, of, and I, I've done some speaking on it and education from a well health side and a mindset side, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where um, it's amazing to see. You just help change, just even a small little percentage, just add a little value to help them a little yep. bit, and then all of a sudden, like the bottom line grows 10, 15, twenty yep. percent just from that little change. Yeah, well, Johnson and Johnson, uh, they they believe that their wellness program returns about four dollars for every dollar invested. Um, and they, they do with the analytics on it. So I don't, I don't know exactly how they came up with that number, but I trust it. Um, and wellness programs can span the whole thing, right? We, a lot of us have in our, in our minds, it's like, oh, you do like your, your kind of health survey. And then, you know, you get a bunch of brochures about programs you could do. And then everybody gets a Fitbit and we do a challenge against each other, uh, or we all do Weight Watchers together or whatever. But wellness can be a lot more than that. It could be changing the physical work space or the equipment people use, right? Um, it could be, you know, a, again, larger employer, if you have like lunchrooms and, you know, cafeterias and things like that, it could be, you know, encouraging healthier choices uh, in those ways. Uh, it could even be things like, listen, can you encourage people to bike to work or walk to work? Um, are there things you could do in those regards that, that might get people um, kind of uh, physically um, and mentally more well? Um, and you know, there's, there's, again, there, there's ways to do it on every budget and that works appropriately for, you know, the type of workforce you have and, and their needs. That's the thing. One thing I think about too, because sometimes a, a business, you know, especially the smaller ones will be like, Hey, we, we want to do that for our sure. employees, but then there's the, where the financial aspect to yep. it, are there things that, uh, uh, let's say a smaller, cause you know, we have entrepreneurs that listen to this and, yep, and, yep. and is there things that are, are examples that they can do that it may not have to be where they put money in, but yep. they can do other me- mechanisms to, to follow the help with the whole person process. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, so I have, I have sympathy for small business owners. I mean, small business owners, I mean, I, I don't know how you do it. Um, it's, you know, just such a labor of love and of time, uh, and of sacrifice and being an employer, being a smaller employer, you know, there's so many regulations and taxes and extra expenses and things like that. Right. So, um, you know, larger companies have slack resources. They could throw at these problems, you know, when you got to keep the lights on next month, you know, you have different imperatives. So I totally get that. But yeah, we already talked about some free or near free things. So it could just be in terms of your scheduling. Um, you know, another food store that I talked to, you know, they have about 120 employees in a couple of locations um, in, in a town in California. Um, people get their schedules like three weeks in advance, as opposed to just the week before. Um, now, that might be a little more upfront work from a managerial point of view, but um, that gives people more certainty. Like if you, you know, I remember when I waited tables a long time ago, I got my schedule a couple of days in advance and that was okay. I was young. I didn't really have responsibilities. But what if I, you know you know, had daycare concerns or doctor's appointments or things like that, right? You can never plan your life if you, if you don't know your schedule ahead of time. So that's, that's one thing. You know, we already talked about just meeting times and making sure that they're appropriate for everybody. Um, you know, again, that food store in California, uh, they had a married couple, one who was an assistant manager who worked in kind of the back room and one who worked out on the floor and they had a baby. And 
most employers would say, well, we'll split your shifts, right? So that somebody's home with the baby at all times. Instead, this employer said no, uh, because, you know, if they do that, they're never together as a family. It's just like handoff, peck on the cheek, handoff, right? Um, and they were like, no, just bring the baby. Like, well, let's see how it works. Um, and it, they wound up you know, wearing the baby and you know, back and forth a little bit during the day. And uh, it worked fine. And seven years later, this baby is now a little girl who is like the mascot for the store and all these like regular customers like grew up like watching this girl grow up. And now she knows all the regular customers and she's like this little mascot for the, uh, for the company. And, um, you know, that might not work to bring a baby to the workplace for everybody, but maybe it could, or maybe that could be part of a solution. Um, you know, uh, other places, you know, you already talked about in your business, right? The actual physical care needs to be done in person, but some of the other uh, surrounding work might be able to be done at a distance or, or things like that. And that doesn't necessarily incur more cost. Um, in fact, it could incur less cost if you can get a smaller, uh, you know, uh, footprint in your building or, or your real estate costs. So, um, you know, and again, the, the small furniture manufacturer, you know, all he does is he's very generous when it comes to paid sick time and paid time off. Otherwise, you know, it's working in a small, uh, you know, custom furniture factory. It's not easy work, but um, he doesn't want people coming in if they're like, oh, you know, I don't feel great or, you know, something in my back, but I'm going to go because then someone could get really hurt or it could like mess up what they're working on. Um, or if it's like, well, my baby's sick and he couldn't go to daycare and I kind of found somebody's cousin's friend who can watch the baby while I'm at work, but I'm like stressed about it and I have a cloud over my head. You know, he's rather like take the day, you know, and don't come in with this cloud over your head because somebody could get really hurt or, you know, um, you know, they could be messy rework or whatever else. So um, those are just a few examples. And I hope that, that that's helpful. You know, you don't have to be Microsoft or Adidas or whatever to be um, to be a supportive employer. There's things to do large and small. Right. Just that tip jar example, too. That, that, that you know, again, the the owners made a donation. Um, or they make regular donation to support uh, what's in the jar, but um, it didn't cost them anything in the workplace. And they get a write-off for it too. So it helps out yeah, I guess on so. that part but, too, right? Yeah. But it, you know, I think when you're talking like this, I'm also thinking too, I think it's Google, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I may be wrong, but I know they have like a period of time throughout the day where yep. their employees can just go and just think of any idea. Yeah, yeah, it's help. called 20% time at Google, which is um, for their creative types and engineers can can take up to 20% of their work time to just work on whatever project with whoever they want to work on. Um, and again, that kind of feeds like, you know, maybe your job is like, you know, keeps you in a box, but you have some other ideas you'd love to be able to pursue and that feeds your soul a little bit. Um, that's what that, um, you know, that, that program does. But again, you know, Google... We can learn from the Googles and the BSFs of the world, but we, you know, not everybody can replicate those things, right, at, at smaller businesses. So that's why, again, I really tried to be very representative of, um, you know, the, the huge companies to the minuscule companies, everything in between in all different industries. I think you do a great job of it. I, it's just one of those things where I think is like, I know in my office, sometimes I'll have like, uh, I'll ask, we, we've done this many times before, like, hey, this is where we are. Here's our, here's what we're trying to go to. Here's yep. some of our visions. What do you want to bring to the yep. table that you want to do? And I'll let you run it. 
you yep. know, and if there's a cost to it, then we'll, we'll talk about it. Yep. And, and if you're, and if I see my, my employer, that's employees are really passionate about it, but okay, let's, I want to feed into that. So she feels, or he feels that they're in the vision of the business. So that yeah. way it helps. Do you yeah, ever you do, know, um, just really sad, Cause that's a powerful question that any manager can ask. We had a new Dean come in about six years ago in my college. And, you know, he did his whole listening tour thing, which, you know, most new leaders will do at a large organization. And, you know, we sat down with individual faculty members or in small groups. And the first question he, he generally asked was, you probably want to do something great. What is it? Can I help you? Um, and there was, you know, me, I, as a faculty member, I dive in. I run our undergraduate human resources program. I do all this, like, alumni outreach. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on getting my students career ready and networking connecting them to alumni who work in human resources. And like, so I, I'm one of these people, I just jump in anyway. Um, but there were a fair amount of my colleagues who, you know, didn't never saw a way they could fit in to, to doing something more. And just that question was kind of powerful to unlock some people's, you know, motivations that had not been tapped into before. So even that question could be something that, that really helps. I love that. I think that is huge because, you know, it's again, how do we get them to be more involved so that we can, you know, yep. allow them to be part of vision? Have you ever recommended too? because this is something we we have done in my office. And again, it's just learning from you know, in my background. I, I was a business major. So like learning one of my favorite classes in, in undergrad was HR and yep. just learning Ooh. compensation and all yep. that stuff. And I was like, oh, there's a whole system to this. All right, cool. And then when I got into chiropractic school, I learned about the chiropractic business. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, how do I make it? Because in our off, in our, our world, it's hard to keep our assistants. It's just, sure. you know, it's just the yep. way the industry Good is. assistants have lots of places they could go and exactly. not so good assistants, you know. Yeah. Okay. So how do you create more value <laughs> yeah. to yeah. get them? And so one of the things we we heard, and I had a coach teach me, this wasn't my idea, um, but like profit sharing. So once yeah. we hit a certain mark of our financial goals, and once we hit, when we hit them, then they would get a percentage yeah. uh, of that. Is those sometimes a tip that you, you, yeah. you would recommend in a way? Because again, it's not really yeah. money out of our pocket. It is, but it yeah. isn't because we're hitting our goals. So we're covered financially. Now it's just, hey, let's share some of the extra wealth. Yeah, the thing about profit sharing is, right? It's it's almost like you wouldn't have gotten to this level of profitability if you didn't have great people, right? So sharing some of it isn't as much of a cost as like other types of compensation, right? Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, I've been talking all about these programs and cool decisions and things like that. But uh, a lot of how we show how we value our employees is in our basics of how we manage or do our HR uh, with our employees. So how do we, when we recruit or hire people, we can build some of these values in so that we make sure we're recruiting um, people who might fit into a, a high trust, we care about our each other kind of culture, right? Um, you know, we, you can ask questions on an interview. Tell me about a time that you were on a work team where somebody was struggling and you really stepped up for them or, you know, things like that, right? And to see if they're um, either interested in or have experience in working in this kind of pro-employee workforce. Um, we, you know, you could do it how you onboard your employees, you know, onboarding, you could just say like, here's your job description, go sit at your desk, here's your key. Or it could be like a whole orientation to here's how we take care of our patients here. Here's how we take care of our coworkers here. Um, here's what our culture is. Here's what our, our most important values are. Um, you know, and, you know, we can also use that opportunity to really, that's where we can really get to know the person as an individual. And then maybe, 
uh, find a way to demonstrate how much we value them as a whole person. Um, I have a great anecdote on that. I'll get back to that in a second, if you don't mind. Um, but it's also, you know, how do we design work so that people don't feel overloaded or somebody could take a vacation knowing that other people have it covered because you overlap job responsibilities or you have a team working on something. Um, and then how we pay people, you know, good livable wages. I think profit sharing is a, is a big, could be a good part of the mix. Um, you know, our core benefits, um, how we evaluate performance. You know, there's a company that, um, you know, back in the 2000s moved away from this, their hours culture. We all have to be here all the time working to hit all your goals, man. And then you can work wherever you want uh, or whenever you want. And they did this many, many years ago. And they, they were able to do that because they really fixed how they measured performance, making it easier for, for managers to tell who's really working well, who could be trusted with this freedom and autonomy. Um, so that's a long way of saying uh, part of how we value employees is just in our regular management. We make sure those values come through in the ways we manage our employees. Uh, going back to orientation for a second. Okay, so this is a story from a long time ago. But back when I was in grad school, I was in a uh, softball league, co-ed softball league. And it was pretty competitive, but we did go out and get beer and stuff afterwards. And um, one of my teammates, she was a college athlete. She had just graduated and she was on this team. And this team was really important to her because it was like her way to keep in a foot in athletics and whatever. And I remember because she had just gotten in, taken a new job. And apparently during the whole onboarding process, whatever, they got to know about her um, athletic background and how important this team was to her and things like that. And so after a game, we all got to the bar and when we're settling up the bill, the waitress is like, nope, it's taken care of. Her new employer has paid for your table. Um, and, you know, that's probably what, you know, it wasn't that much of us, it wasn't that much beer, it was a weeknight. Um, but still, you know, if it was $150, what a way to just show we value you, new employee, not just as part of the machine or not just for what you could do for us, like the asset model, but we care about you as a whole person, including the things that are important to you outside of work that have nothing to do with work. Um, and she was like over the moon. And I know she worked there for as long as we had stayed in touch. Um, and, you know, that's just a way to put a little bit of value on people, right? That she was heard. She was seen. Um, and her outside of work priorities were recognized. And sometimes, you know, maybe, you know, you ask about lower cost options for smaller employers, you know, maybe, you know, that, that was 150 bucks at a bar one night. Right. Um, you know, and maybe that, that creates the sense of engagement and loyalty that, you know, will pay for itself a hundredfold. I love that story because yeah. we do something like, well, our office is all about like family. Like we, yeah. you work with us, we're family. We're yeah, going to treat you like family. And, but then we do things once a quarter where we just go out and it's like, Hey, no talk about work. Yep. Great. Let's just get to know, let's hang out. Let's talk yeah. about life and just connect and whatever you guys want, dinner, whatever drinks, don't worry, don't even worry about it. Get whatever you want. Great. It's on me. It's on us. Yeah. And let's just have fun. Well, that's a, the benefits the, uh, of a smaller employer, right? Is you can do things like that, right? If you have, you know, 500,000 employees scattered around the world, you can't quite do that, right? Um, so, you know, maybe you don't have the deep pockets and resources for a periodic table of benefits, but you can really get to know your people and recognize them on a periodic basis. And, you know, probably some conversation during that dinner might lead to something like, hey, you know, maybe I can help you with this, or maybe somebody can help somebody else out with something. Um, yeah, that's invaluable. I mean, 
you know, you, you pick up the check at the end of that day, but I bet that um, it's hard to quantify this, but I bet that it, it comes back to you uh, in terms of loyalty, reduced turnover, um, just higher engagement, things like that as you go. It does. And they, they appreciate it too. And, and, you know, even from a business standpoint, it's partially written off too. So yeah, there's yeah. that, there's that tax benefit for me, but um, I even had a friend of mine who he ran a couple of CrossFit gyms and, and for his whole team and his, even his, uh, just for people appreciation, he would do it for the team, yep. uh, take them all out, go have an elaborate dinner, get all dressed up and enjoy it once a year. And then he would have like a big party for all his members. Yeah. Uh, oh, just cool. be like, Hey, I want to show that I appreciate you guys too in that process. My customers are whole people too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so real quick, uh, yep. Scott, how can people connect with you, find your book and, and, and all the good stuff that you're doing? Great. Thank you. So again, the book is called The Whole Person Workplace, Building Better Workplaces Through Work-Life, Wellness, and Employee Support. You can find it wherever you buy books, but for most people, that's Amazon. Um, you know, So you could just put in Whole Person Workplace or put my name, S-C-O-T-T-B-E-H-S-O-N. It'll come right up because I have a weird last name. Um, so like in search engines, it comes right up. Um, also, I have a website, Scott Beeson, S-C-O-T-T-B-E-H-S-O-N.com, where you can find links to my three books, uh, in addition to some of the other work workshops, media, um, other writings that I've done, um, and whatever else. Um, so um, I'm also very, very available on LinkedIn. And again, my weird last name, I'll come right up in a search. And I'm happy to connect with somebody if they have questions about my work, about the book. If you buy the book and you're like, hey, I want, I'd love to follow up with you about this, I am like all ears. So I'm easy to find. Love it. Well, I appreciate it, Scott. I appreciate the work you're doing. I think this is the movement all employers, in my opinion, need to get going towards is we got to, I look at it as just appreciating the the actual employee as a human being, yep. rather than, you know, a machine, as you say, or anything along those lines. Uh, so appreciate the work you're doing. Thanks for taking time to share your wisdom and all these wonderful nuggets you shared here on the Mindful Experiment. Great. Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you, Vic. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. Until next time, keep rocking and rolling.